Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica, and we are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we're going to talk about birth, babies, breastfeeding, nursing practice, and more from our perspective as nurses in the hospital world. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a newly pregnant, first-time parent, or expecting your second baby and you want a better experience this time around, this podcast is for you. Join me and my co-host and special guests as we discuss birth from the womb to the room. Hi, everybody. It's Shana and Liz. Hi. Episode nine? Yeah. I'm like, my we're moving. We're moving along. We're doing this. We? This is getting exciting. <laughs> so much more to talk about. But today, Shana, what are we talking about? Today, we're going to talk about postpartum. So this is a hot topic, you guys. Um, <laughs> very hot topic. I think a lot of times when you're pregnant, you're thinking like, well, labor and delivery, that's the big day, right? But postpartum, that's going to be the rest of your life, essentially. You're going to be postpartum the rest of your life. But <laughs> that is such really a funny way of putting it. <laughs> right? Like, oh, wait, it's not just you had it. Like, Liz, you're still postpartum, right? You had a baby <laughs> 30 years ago. <laughs> He's 20. He just turned 25. Don't rush me. <laughs> 25 years ago. Well, and you're, you're postpartum, postpartum. Literally. And I am two months postpartum. So this is fresh for me. I have to say, Shannon, you are in remarkably good condition. <laughs> Thank uh, you. My son keeps asking, my four-year-old keeps saying, is your belly back to normal? <laughs> I'm like, well, it's still squishy. No, so you're supposed no. to be a good feminist mommy and say, well, let's discuss what's normal. <laughs> what's normal? <laughs> but anyway, so, so back, yes. yeah, back to postpartum. So we're going to talk about a, a couple different things. We're going to talk about yeah. the world of postpartum in the hospital and mm. why it's important and different than labor and delivery and how you can best prepare to be Absolutely. a postpartum mom. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's, let's paint a picture, Liz. So first, okay. Um, okay. I, we, we, Shane and I were talking about this early on. <laughs> we like painting pictures. Basically. We like painting pictures. <laughs> um, yeah. But labor and delivery, I think patients really feel cared for in labor and delivery because the nurse is is really there like a lot of the time, most of the time, I want to say. Yeah, I would say we do everything we can in most labor and delivery units to do one-to-one care. And we yes. try to do continuity of care. Yeah. So if somebody comes in for an induction and I'm with her all day long, then when I come back the next day, if I'm working two in a row, I might say, I had her, I know her, I know her whole thing. Yeah. Let me just go back in there and resume. And I think, I think all over the hospital nurses prefer continuity of care because mm-hmm. they, it's in their mind they know how to take care of that patient yeah um, and so for I think that's our really listeners who don't who don't know what one-to-one means can you explain that absolutely we talk about um nurse to patient ratios and i would like to have a little side note here that says we in california are one of the states that enjoys nurse patient ratios and it mm-hmm. is a constant struggle and fight in the state of california to maintain those those laws. We lobbied hard for those uh, ratios, and um, we believe that nurse-to-patient ratios saves lives there. Yes. I said it. 
So let's move on from my politics. <laughs> nurse to patient ratio means there's a certain amount of nurses, patients allotted in each department. So labor and delivery, in medical surgical, in orthopedics, in the ICU, in step down units, in postpartum, there's a certain amount of postpartum patients that one nurse can take care of safely. That doesn't mean right. that it is the recommendation. The recommendation is three to one. And what does that mean, three to one? So Shana. one nurse and three patients, but... Well, wait in, a minute. Wait a minute. Is it? <laughs> it? This is tricky. So three patients means three rooms, but within that room is another baby. So there's the mom and the baby, and that's a couplet. So... Well, you know, I mean, it's a baby. It's an infant. So oh, no. Oh, why is no. that it's... not considered a patient on that baby's own? This is the confusing part because you're working so hard in postpartum to chart on both of your patients. So I'm just talking about one room, right? The mom what? and the baby. And then you have three or four couplets. So that's eight, potentially eight patients that you're charting on. You're taking care of, you're passing meds, you're checking on well, the breastfeeding. I mean, it's an infant. What's to take care of? Oh, there's a I lot mean, of stuff. You know, Liz. they breastfeed, they, I know. <laughs> Note sarcasm here. So, a bone of contention here, folks. But also, we should say we're not postpartum nurses for. We aren't. For and a we reason. should. <laughs> there are excellent labor and delivery nurses. So, let me just say. I'm 61 years old. I've been in labor and delivery for over 30 years. But my flow yeah. of even taking care of two highly, you know, high acuity labor and delivery patients, mm -hmm. even a patient with bleeding disorders, preeclampsia on multiple medications, um, I would rather do that than take care of four couplets because the flow Crazy. and the amount of detail yeah. that has to be accomplished in postpartum seems insurmountable. I to mean, me. the postpartum nurse is charting every single time your baby has a wet diaper yep. and a poopy diaper. Like, that, can you believe it? It's just it's a constant yeah, the documentation. Yeah. And this doesn't even have to do with care. Right. So tell me some of the things that we're doing in postpartum, Shana. To so, provide care for our postpartum. Yeah. And we will have a postpartum nurse on. Just for the discharge process, there are several things that need to happen for the baby. So um, they need to have several different kinds of screenings. So the first one, pretty popular, is the hearing screening. Uh, they put on these little electrodes on the baby. And, um, and they look like little ear pops. Yeah, it's cute. But, and they're playing little tones. And then they're registering the baby's, like... Brain activity. Brain activity. Yeah. And then they're doing a bilirubin test. So What's that? A bilirubin is the, the breakdown product of your red blood cells. So sometimes babies have a high bilirubin content in their blood, which means they have jaundice. And you would see that this ba like a baby with jaundice has like kind of yellow skin, yellow, um, the sclera, the white part in their eyes is yellow. My son was yellow everywhere, bordering on orange. Oh, my goodness. So there are certain like treatments for high bilirubin, but um, the first 
easy screening they do for bilirubin is just like a scan on the forehead, like a like basically like a thermometer, but it's the bilirubinometer. And isn't there generally a bilirubin test on the day of discharge if the baby's had any jaundice whatsoever? Right. So if it's yeah, yeah if they've had a high bilirubin content or test, then um, then they'll do a blood test, right? Yeah, but those babies do need to be observed. Sometimes mm-hmm. those babies need uh, need to be under bilirubin lights. Right, the blue lights, yeah. Uh, sometimes those bilirubin lights treatments are being done in the patient's hospital room. Sometimes they go to a nursery where there's phototherapy, we call it. Mm-hmm. So that's number two. Yep. Then we have PKU, PKU. Mm-hmm. phenylketonuria. And um, this is a genetic defect, but this test also simultaneously tests for 80 other genetic um, diseases and conditions. Yeah, so, so that's they, a heel stick, right. right? Yeah, they prick the baby's heel and then put some dots of blood on this paper and then they send it to the lab and it gets tested. Right. Um, another one they do is the congenital cardiac heart defect screening. CCHD. Mm-hmm. And that's, they put this little pulse ox on the baby's foot and, or wrist, either one, I think. And um, that tests to see if there's, like, how much oxygen is in the baby's blood. Right. And these are all things that need to be accomplished before the baby and mother leave. Right. Combined with, all kinds of other care, right. vital signs, head-to-toe assessments, breastfeeding assessments. Mm-hmm. Is the baby getting enough to eat? Is the baby urinating? Is the baby having frequent stools? Has the stool look the way it should look? Mm-hmm. Has the baby seen a pediatrician? Is the baby being circumcised in the hospital? Right. That requires consents and preparation. And let's. Uh, what about mom? Yeah, so mom, we're checking her fundus, which is the top of her uterus, making sure that it's firm, that it's midline. So, and then it's kind of right around the place of the belly button. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure her bleeding is appropriate, not too much, and mm-hmm. that she is having good blood pressure and heart rate and temperature, all her vital signs. Yeah, and, a certain um, amount of women will develop preeclampsia mm-hmm. after delivery. Preeclampsia is a condition that can develop during the antepartum phase. That means during your pregnancy. It can develop during labor and delivery. Yep. It can develop in the 24, 48 hours postpartum and all the way out six, eight weeks sometimes wow. in moms that bounce back to the emergency room with signs and symptoms of preeclampsia, which would require a readmission to the hospital. Yep. Also, you got to pee. Got yes, you gotta of course. Eat. You've got to drink. You have mm-hmm. to be taking in nutrition. Yeah. And your nurse is constantly in and out of that room. Yeah. For our C-section patients, we're checking on the incision. We're yeah. making sure that your pain is tolerable so that when you go home, you're able to care for yourself uh well and not need to be readmitted. So the painted picture is a nurse and four couplets taking care of, assessing, and giving treatments, medications, and education to eight patients. Wow. Education to the mom, treatments to the baby. So I know that sometimes that one-to-one care where you're very hyper-concentrated on your, you know, labor and delivery nurse, Mm -hmm. patient relationship, right? 
then patients go out to postpartum and they feel let down. Right. And we just wanted to let you know that your postpartum nurses often are working out of the recommended ratio, which is one to three couplets and one to four and what that might look like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and we want, so our goal as nurses is mm-hmm. to help minimize the time that you're in the hospital. Okay. So, um, we're going to kind of move backwards. So we want to yeah. get you discharged for a vaginal delivery within 24 hours. That's like the fastest we can. Well, it's a little more than 24 hours, but that's kind of the fastest we can discharge you for a vaginal delivery. Absolutely. It never really works out to be 24 hours. Yeah. It's people not have exactly. to come in and do discharge paperwork. Right. Don't get me started. But uh, hopefully yeah. you're only staying one night um, unless you deliver at nighttime then it's of course gonna be like two nights essentially yeah so how can we make that happen oh for a c-section delivery it's after 48 hours is kind of the soonest we can discharge yeah. and then three days is average yeah actually um, it used to be four but now we now, want to yeah. try to get people who are of course dischargeable mm-hmm. that means they meet all yes. the criteria they're doing well and they feel you know breastfeeding is a big part with Shana's going to talk about that in a minute so let's let's work backwards how can we uh, minimize your stay at the hospital postpartum well having a vaginal delivery would make it to be the 24 hour mark or 24 to 48 hour mark Uh, how can we increase your chance of having a vaginal delivery we're gonna we're gonna go backwards to the very beginning okay Education, sound of music, (laughs) but um, yeah, education. So taking a a birth class, taking a breastfeeding class, so that when you get to the time of going into labor, you're prepared. You know how best to uh, advocate for yourself to have a vaginal delivery with minimal interventions, and uh, and then you'll be discharged faster uh, and have a smooth recovery in postpartum. So Liz, we mentioned this in the last episode about um, increasing your chance of a vaginal delivery. What's Absolutely. your perspective on this? Especially As always, I go back to <laughs> risk benefit for unnecessary induction of labor. Mm-hmm. Waiting till you are in a significant amount of discomfort before you go to the hospital to uh, minimize early induction yes. for sometimes convenience. Um, being educated, having a support person, um, understanding that this is, could be a very short process for some and a very long process for others. So we want you to be able to go into the natural hormonal cascade to allow your body to go into labor. Exactly. Um, if you have to be induced, of course that has to be, but Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things will help move you through labor and delivery into postpartum and home sooner than later. Now, I know that it's very, very hard to leave the hospital when you have a toddler at home, you're exhausted, you don't want to go. <laughs> it's I like a vacation. That. It's like your hotel stay. <laughs> Absolutely. I get it. I got really good care. Um, when I had my son and um, I was, uh, you know, lucky to be able to stay four days. I had established good breastfeeding and that's a really important 
aspect of Mm -hmm. the discharge. But always back to trying to get you to have the best possible birth experience with minimal intervention. And that, I believe, can help move you through the system sooner and home. Yes. Yes. And I think probably the question that's coming up right now for for patients to be is, Mm -hmm. um, well, how do I know when to go to the hospital? And yeah. so this is this is a freebie, you guys. This is what yeah. uh, Liz and I usually teach in our birth classes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to this, but the the basics of it is um, this little rule called the four one one rule. This means that you're having contractions that are four minutes apart. Each contraction lasts for one minute, and this pattern has been going on for at least an hour. So it doesn't mean that. That as soon as your contractions start, you're heading to the hospital. No, no, no. You want to stay at home as long as possible because they're probably going to start out really spaced out, your contractions, and then get closer together and then get more intense. And so you want to wait till they're intense. You can't talk through them. You can't walk through them. Um, And each contraction is lasting for about a minute. They're four minutes apart. And... It's been going on for an hour. So that's kind of a quick, quick rule. Yeah, we don't mean to suggest that it's like exactly one Right, right. What I say to my my clients when I'm on Zoom class is if you've got a smile on your face and you say, I'm in labor, I'm so excited, Ah. I'm having one right now, I can't believe this is the day, and (laughs) we're thinking you're so not in labor. and Or it's very (laughs) early labor where you're in the excited phase. And uh, and not in the very focused, get away from me and don't touch me phase, <laughs> which is usually the active labor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, again, our objective is to help you also not bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. We call some moms frequent flyers. They come mm-hmm. in several times before it's at the admission time. Right. And we want to be able to get you to labor and delivery and stay. Once you get through the process of labor and delivery and you get to postpartum, learning, taking in all the education that you can get and understanding that if your call bell isn't answered immediately, it's because your nurse has got a bunch of other patients that they're taking care of. So what you can do to prepare is really what this is about. Also, partners, people. You should never leave the hospital without changing several diapers. <laughs> I always you find it fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And you'll get really good at it after the first five. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, this is yeah. major. Taking a newborn class is gold. You learn yeah. changing a diaper uh, and adjusting it around the umbilical cord stump that's there for a week to two weeks that needs to fall off. Like Absolutely. these are the kinds of things that you don't know until you've had a baby and taking a newborn class can be very helpful in this. How do you know when your baby's hungry? How do you know when your baby's tired? It's, it seems, it sounds simple enough, but having those tools in your tool belt um, yeah, before absolutely. you have your baby is so, so helpful. And will also minimize your stay in the hospital for postpartum. Oh, yeah. Your nurse is going to jump for joy Mm -hmm. if you call her and she walks into postpartum and you say, we just changed a diaper. Yeah. And then she doesn't have to do it for you. You know how to swaddle? What if 
our patients knew how to swaddle. Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you. The swaddling <laughs> is such a big thing. It's like <laughs> it's this it's this big thing that people always and I think I do a fairly good swaddle. And then uh-huh. someone who does nursery nurse and postpartum oh, yeah. oh, nurse they're swaddles. Really good at it. I know they're really yeah. good. At, I don't know what it is. It's, I think it's <laughs> on the on some chromosome. <laughs> There's a chromosome for <laughs> swaddling. But if you people who are partners get in there, mm-hmm. swaddle, change mm-hmm. diapers, burp your baby, yep. help mom out. I know you're exhausted. You will feel competent when you leave. Yes. Or at the very least, at the very least, prepared to walk out the door. Exactly. Because you're and practicing from the get-go. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. And along with this, Taking a breastfeeding class. Ugh. Breastfeeding is hard. Um, I struggled with my first for about three weeks to a month. So this was eight years ago, but I still remember it. Like I remember the pain and just thinking, can I really go through it? Can I do this for longer yeah. than I have to? Like this is hard. And yeah. is she even getting any milk? And how do I know? And so taking a breastfeeding class, educating yourself on the signs of, of a happy, uh, happy baby and getting the input, getting the milk that they need to grow and be healthy so that your pediatrician appointments go well. I mean, this, this affects so many aspects of Absolutely. your parenting journey. Um, I would like to say yeah. also that we try really hard. And I think I have over an 85% success rate, I have to say, and most of the nurses I work with. We are very, very motivated by skin to skin and breastfeeding in the awake alert phase, that first couple of hours after birth. So often, I would say often, our patients breastfeed before they ever hit postpartum. And there is very, very good scientific evidence. I mean, evidence in literature that suggests that babies who breastfeed in that awake alert phase, the trajectory of breastfeeding as far out as six months is increased. It's incredible across the board, just because, you know, it's sort of a, you know, you make a synapse soon after birth, right? A sense memory Mm -hmm. and and subsequent breastfeeding uh, is easier before they get into their little post. I just got born, you know, what I call (laughs) baby haze. Right. You know, and so we're very, very motivated to help you breastfeed. And um, this is the thing for discharge. Breastfeeding is the really one of the most important yep. aspects to be able to get out of there if when moms are feeling like yeah. they're, and they're at the very least getting the hang of it. Yep. Use your lactation educators on your postpartum floor. But... We must remember, this is not a class. Your postpartum educator may see um, 12 patients in a day, 15 patients in a day. They're busy. So that's not a class. And our Shana has just (laughs) become an IBCLC certified lactation consultant. Yeah. So, I mean, I know firsthand from being a breastfeeding mom myself and also helping other moms that, uh, that it's hard. And so Shana, how, uh, how much breastfeeding experience do you have? (laughs) I breastfed my own three children currently breastfeeding the, the newborn right now, the third. (laughs) 
And it's going so, well. Um, hey, folks, you got a breastfeeding mother who's breastfed three children and mm-hmm. is postpartum and IBCLC. Use this. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it. you can go to my website. You can um, go to my Instagram and get the, the lactation support that you need. But um, pre-parented. Uh, Yes, Preparented is my is my Instagram name and then my website, www.preparented.com. Um, and there are also lactation consultants in the hospital, like Liz was saying, but mm-hmm. they're not able to spend all the time in the world with you. So, um, oh, you know, when I can get one to come over to labor and delivery, I'm like, please, right? please, please. I'm trying. My patient and, has flat nipples. Yeah. I know this baby's hungry. We can do it. And they come. With their accoutrement, I love right, it. Right, and they, they work all their with tools. the patient in in labor and delivery after they've delivered, even before mm-hmm. they get to the floor, if they have time. We do our best. But, but yeah, so uh, their goal yeah. though is is addressing the issue at hand, like yes. the problem that they're presented with. But issues come up throughout your breastfeeding journey, so um, so having that that education. Um, baseline before you start your breastfeeding journey is really, really good. Absolutely. So again, keep in mind, folks, your postpartum nurse is often taking care of four mothers and four babies. And that is treatments, assessments, vital signs, um, medications, uh, babies who are diabetic or from born from diabetic mothers need Heel sticks every three hours for the first 12 hours to check their blood sugar, and on and on and on. So keep that in mind when you go into your postpartum experience. Those postpartum nurses are working really hard to try to keep up. Also, uh, we forgot to mention, but there's other very important people in postpartum. They're usually um, CNAs or uh, assistants. Yeah. Assistance to come help you take you to the bathroom to um, take your vital signs and postpartum nurses, I'm sure, are very thankful for their oh assistance because when they have them, when sometimes they, they them. don't even have assistance to bring yeah. you water and juice yeah. and help you to the bathroom and change your pads. Yep. Can you imagine? Yeah. I cry for them when they when they don't have a CNA, oh, a nurse's a assistant for a shift. It's it's really really hard. Yeah. I have to say, just as I digress, I'm actually home with a back injury right now. That's why Shane and I are looking at each other, and I keep standing because I can only sit for about five minutes at a time. This has been gnarly. I was an inpatient in Santa Monica at UCLA for a couple of days, um, and I have to say, CNAs are the unspoken angels. Yeah. Of they the really are. The CNAs that took care of me at UCLA in Santa Monica were phenomenal. Amazing. And I know that was just me just trying to get me up so I could use my walker to go oh. to the bathroom. It was such an ordeal. And they were just amazing. And I know that in postpartum, they're running around for a very high um you know, high volume. Mm-hmm. So uh, give them a pat on the back. Yes. Truly, folks, they're yeah. working hard for you. Yes, they are. Well, another thing I wanted to talk about is just like basic expectations for when you're home oh and you're goodness. postpartum. Um, I, one thing my husband was like bringing to mind was 
like good thing he is experienced as a dad and a husband <laughs> right. to know like what to expect postpartum because he's seeing me like changing this is like TMI, you guys, but I'm going oh, into yeah. it. But like oh, yeah, changing my it. pads and like squirting with the squirt bottle and like <laughs> feeling so, so tired because not only am I bleeding and like things are coming out down there, Go but for it, like I'm, I'm <laughs> leaking breast milk and I'm like feeding my baby and being drained from my body. And then I'm also crying because I'm so freaking emotional. And you so have kids like, on Zoom. And then I have, <laughs> then I have Zoom other two kids. Yeah. So I, I felt bad at first for like being so tired. And I was like, mm-hmm. why am I more tired than you? Like I'm asking my husband, why am I more tired than you? Like we're both waking up in the middle of the night and like, you know, he gets the baby, brings the baby to me. I feed the baby. Okay. Okay. But- I got to, I got to stop you here. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're on glue. <laughs> you're you're more tired. Why am I more tired? And, I, mean, I know. And, out there and then he's like, understand? yeah. And then he's like, by the way, you're being drained, like literally, of your bodily bodily fluids. So I would like to tell allowed. everyone that Shana is five feet tall. <laughs> You actually you gave about, me an extra half are you, inch. I think you might be smaller. As I say, are you 4'11"? Yes, I'm 4'11". She's the teeny tiniest person. And I just, when I think of you, um, I, I remember after, now, so Shana had the experience, of course, that I thought I was going to have great pregnancy. And I, I told my husband, this is the way we baker girls do it. You know, my mother had four vaginal births. My grandmother had 10 vaginal oh, births my God. i come from you know peasant stock like no problem <laughs> and then of course <laughs> the labor and delivery nurse you know three-day labor preeclampsia cesarean section oh, i hope that painted a picture of um my birth plan gone south right and um i was wrecked mm-hmm. i was literally wrecked and in the, even in the recovery room after my surgery i was just a flat blank. Oh, Thank God. God I delivered with friends who were taking care of me mm-hmm. to just put Joey on my breast so I could be sleeping in the recovery room. Oh. Well, as I said, I think he ate. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and um, I was such a wreck when I got home. And yeah. um, having a little bit of, okay, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. I do labor and delivery, but I did not realize. And this is 25 years ago. And I was about five, six years in to L&D nursing. I did not realize, oh, yeah, postpartum is a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Plus, I can't think. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. My, um, you know, incision, I'm in pain. Oh, I'm gosh, breastfeeding yeah. every two hours. And I thank God for the support of my sisters and my mom. Yep. Yeah. And my husband. I mean, he was, he was great. He, he was 40 years old when our son was born. And I don't know what happened, but something clicked in his brain. And he turned into, like, I got this person. Wow. Yeah, like changing diapers, bathing, um, like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that, yeah, you need that yeah. support. I think the yeah. best gift—I'm calling it a gift because it oh, really it was the best gift that we received um, before I had my baby was frozen breakfast sandwiches that my friend made, and oh. she brought them over. There were like I don't know, thirty of them, <gasps> and put them in the freezer. Oh my so God. that when I woke up in the morning idea. and I could tell my older kids, like, go get a breakfast sandwich, put it in the microwave or whatever. And they had breakfast. 
And then same for me, like me and my husband, we loved those sandwiches. And that I would a, have was a it like breakfast. an English muffin? Yeah, an English muffin, like homemade egg McMuffin, basically. <gasps> but it had I, my son loved those. It was he so loved good. And every time I I'd take a bite, I just felt like I didn't have I to make this. I didn't have to make it. <laughs> right. I feel so loved. I feel so taken care of. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. That so having food prepared even just freezer meals like be, just let go you guys don't Absolutely. think you have to be super mom and home make every meal okay. just i hate get those some women. trader joe's lasagna you know and get some of the whatever like the frozen meals at trader joe's and and you've got dinner and you Absolutely. don't have to cook it except to i do want to say one thing about um partners um we completely respect and appreciate and understand that you're also completely exhausted. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I do have this weird pet peeve, which is probably for another show when, when women say my husband's babysitting. That drives me insane. It's so annoying. I know. The I think we just say that because we're, you know, used to saying, you know, we're used to saying that. But it's like we understand that you're not babysitting. You're right. taking care of your children today. Yeah. Dak mm-hmm. Shepard just talked about this, about flying with one of his daughters on an airplane and people were like, wow, you really are doing so well with your daughter. And he was like, what do you mean? I have to go on a trip. My partner's busy and my daughter needs to come with me. And so, you know, and she's little, like five or six years old. Wow. And so I'm taking her and I I knew exactly what he was getting at Mm -hmm. with this, but it is different when you're postpartum and you're tired and you're home, alternate the job. Mm-hmm. alternate the job and what Paul and I did was um I'm gonna sleep for four hours I used to hand him Joey after I breastfed and said I'm going to sleep for four hours and you may wake me if there's blood or something's on fire <laughs> <laughs> or he's that's, screaming that's to good. me like that <laughs> those are good <laughs> boundaries to yes, absolutely there is no reason to and then I will do the next you know then yes. you know I need to get a several hours of sleep before we go to bed, especially when he started working again, because mm-hmm. I was going to be up all night. Right. So I would eat dinner and go crash and burn till 10 o'clock and then be on, you know, then be on duty. It did right. not work well for us both to be alternating all night long because then we were both trashed. Right. So when Paul came home from work, I was trashed at the end of the day, <laughs> right? After the two weeks, he stayed home. And um, I'd say, I've got a little something for you to eat. Joey's been fed. I'm going to go take a bath, Mm -hmm. read, sleep for a few hours. See ya. And that's just the way it has to be. And he'd play with Joey and hang out and eat his dinner, watch TV, whatever. And then when he was ready to go to bed, then I had a a little bit of catch up time. So just a little suggestion. Yeah. Being up all night long. um, It's going to look different for each couple. Absolutely. Parent parenting team um and so you're yeah it's gonna take some time to figure out what that looks like i think it was way easier this time around for me and my husband because third baby in we're and like, they're done that oh, it's just kind of plug and play like oh now we have another baby to like fit <sighs> into our routine that we worked hard to establish yeah i only have one i only have one child i have had two children which we'll talk about when we do our surrogacy I- Cannot Podcast. wait for that episode. We're going to talk about being a surrogate and what all that means. Yeah, that's going to be fun. But so yeah, fun. I would have to say that everybody's going to figure out their mm-hmm. own routine. But get ready yes. to 
jump in and do the best we can. We should wrap up, but I hope that that gave you guys a good understanding of what postpartum is like in the hospital um, so that you can have some compassion for your nurses who may not be there every moment that you need them, but also for you to be prepared for the postpartum Absolutely. time. Can I say um, one more thing? Oh, yes. That I neglected to mention. I was, I, we did talk about talking about this today. COVID. Mm-hmm. In a lot how of hospitals. How could we forget? How could we forget? <laughs> Brained, you know, burned into my brain forever. COVID. I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow, by the way. Are you I'd excited? Like to say. How do you feel? I am. I feel kind of emotional about it. I've, I've but, uh, a lot of people that I'm following on Instagram who are nurses. I know. I saw one of our doctors on Instagram yeah. getting, did you see her getting a COVID test yesterday? And she oh, was no, getting all teary-eyed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And like, oh yeah, right. Like this is a whole paradigm shift yeah. from what we've been doing. And you yeah, know, I, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm excited, nervous, but I'm, yeah. I'm going for it hundred percent. COVID positive mothers mm-hmm. will in a lot of hospitals or labor deliver do their two-hour postpartum, and then don't leave and stay for the next one to two full days in labor and delivery, and then get discharged from labor and delivery. Now, this was a big conversation that is not happening in all hospitals, and it really doesn't have any impact on the laboring and delivered parents, but we uh, believe that we minimizing some exposure Mm -hmm. to other nurses. So for me, I don't mind labor, deliver, recover. I mean, it's a lot of work and I need help from postpartum nurses and other nurses and my charge nurse because I don't have a great postpartum flow and all the little minutiae that right. has to get done. But, um, you know, there's some nurses in labor and delivery that float out to postpartum that are stellar at it. And God bless them because it's not yes. me. <laughs> I muddle through and need a lot of help. But you won't know it. Oh no! Fake it till you make it. That's my motto. Fake it till you make it. You'll get everything you need, (laughs) and your baby will get everything you need. While I'm shrieking inside. But anyway, (laughs) if you're COVID positive and you are in a hospital where you labor, deliver, recover, and get discharged from labor and delivery, Mm -hmm. that's just perfectly fine. You're going to get the same care. It's just that we'd like to not send you out and um, infect a whole, you know, expose. I should say a whole other group. There's no point in it. I don't think now. We are having a terrible surge right now, folks. Hospitals are desperate. Beds are desperate. I don't mean to cast a pall over this uh, podcast, but there may be a time where we have to start turning um, postpartum rooms into COVID rooms. Wow. And we're going to have to just act accordingly, but hopefully we'll be able to um, flatten out this curve in another six or eight weeks. And uh, oh, yes. so stay healthy, everybody. Wear your mask, social distance. Pregnant mommies, you're immune compromised. Mm-hmm. Wash your hands. Keep people away um, other than people in your pod that you right. know aren't out in the world. And we look forward very much to taking care of you. And hopefully you will have the best possible labor and delivery experience. Mm-hmm. And we are. Bye for now. Thanks Bye for joining. For now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. 
I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.